Are you tired of boring lectures and textbooks on human factors and UX? Well, grab your headphones and get ready for a wild ride with the Human Factors Minute podcast. Each minute is like a mini crash course packed with valuable insights and information on various organizations, conferences, usability methods, theories, models, certifications, tools, and much more. We'll take you on a journey through the fascinating world of human factors, from the ancient history to the latest trends and developments. Listen in as we explore the field and discover new ways to enhance the user experience. From the think aloud protocol to the critical incident technique, focus groups, iterative design, we'll make sure that you're the smartest person in the room. Tune in on the 10th, the 20th, and the last day of every month for a new and interesting tidbit related to human factors. Don't miss out on the Human Factors Minute podcast, your ultimate source for all things human factors. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the HFES Town Hall for February 2023. No matter if you're joining us live, watching, or listening to this recording later, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, HFES has invited me to host today. My name is Nick Rome. I host a weekly Human Factors podcast. I'm joined today by the, the president of HFES, Carolyn Summerick, and by the president-elect, Susan Katowski. We also have Andrew and Barbara and Farzan as well, uh, who are going to be talking about a lot of really fun things today. We got a great town hall look at the latest from the society and look forward to this annual this year's annual meeting and uh, later we'll be addressing some of your questions too so just to level set with everybody on the format here this town hall is open to everybody members non-members alike no matter which category you fall in i'm super glad that you're here we're all glad that you're here we're broadcasting this across many different platforms right now that includes the human factors cast channels as well as the official hfes channels so linkedin facebook twitter youtube twitch all of them you can find us there if you can't stick around for the entire town hall today it will be available as a recording on all those platforms right after we're done we'll also be distributing this audio version of uh on, on the Human Factors Cast podcast feed. So one last important note, as we're going through this today, uh, we ask that no matter where you're watching or listening, if you have any questions, please leave them in the chat. Uh, we can all see those comments um, and, and we might be able to address some of that stuff as we uh, get closer towards the end of the uh, the the town hall today uh and and i want you all to give these guys some tough questions give them some really tough questions uh all right i've gone on long enough i'm gonna put everybody backstage and i'm gonna leave carolyn up here to talk about through some society updates carolyn over to you great thank you so much nick um and welcome everyone uh i just want to shout out to chris reed who started uh this uh series last year i think it's a great um great initiative and so we are keeping it going so um just uh our agenda for today who are we society announcements and updates and then we are going to be talking about our digital communications efforts and the uh upcoming international uh annual meeting and that's why i've got um these uh compadres with me here today barb shaparo andrew kolzuski farzan sisahangar and uh, Susan Katowski. So uh, these are just images from our previous town halls and uh, you can see everybody's smiling. We have a good time. Uh, 
with this and we really enjoy uh, your participation. Uh, so um, please do send us questions. So um, there is a survey as with all of our um, webinars. And uh, so uh, this is the link to it. And then uh, Nick also has the QR code there showing. Uh, so you can provide us with feedback uh, through that survey. Our mission at HFES is to advance the science and practice of designing for people in the systems in which they uh, work. And uh, we do that through um, interactions at various levels, at different, um, from systems levels to product levels, environments and, and everything in between. And um, we, we have expertise among our membership in terms of design and the social sciences in uh, anthropometry and biomechanics. We are very widespread in the knowledge that we um, that we uh, support and that we share uh, with um, with the wider world. We were formed in 1957, but we are not um, stodgy by any stretch of the imagination, as you can see by us using these um, the technology that we're using uh, today for uh, this uh, this event. We have about 3,100 members, uh, and they are mainly in the United States, but we have members throughout the world, and we are uh, fortunate for that, and we really enjoy uh, the benefits of that uh, in terms of their participation in, uh, in our society as, as full members of the society and as student members of the society. There we go, Newfoundland, welcome. Thanks for participating. We have 26 technical groups. So if you've got a special interest somewhere, we've got a technical group that, that addresses that. We also have five affinity groups uh, and members of HVS are welcome and, and encouraged to join both our technical groups and our affinity uh, groups. We have um, student members from graduate programs uh, throughout the U.S. and, and Canada, and um, whoops, it means I actually switched out. I'm not sure why that switched so quickly, but I will worry about that. Um, to move myself along here, we um, we produce individuals uh, who can support uh, work that's needed in government and industry and academia. Uh, to uh, to develop those systems and enhance those systems for the people who who are using them, and as part of our um, membership services, we support your careers. Um, we provide career resources. This is just a very limited subset of the kinds of career resources that we provide uh, to members. We have job board. We have career fairs at our healthcare symposium and our annual meeting. We have a member directory to help you network with people at in industry and in academia and in consulting. Um, we provide um, ways for outside uh, folks outside to find our experts uh, through our consultants and expert witness directory. 
Um, and you can find uh, more of our career resources at that link right there. Um, membership, our members are really the heart of our society. They truly are. And I wanted just to remind you, if you haven't uh, renewed your membership for 2023, I encourage you to do that. We have a lot of membership options, including um, reduced uh, cost memberships for early career professionals, for our students. Uh, we have a new corresponding member uh, level for uh, folks who belong to another IEA, uh, International Ergonomics Association uh, Society that are outside of the U.S. This gives um, access to uh, materials and publications uh, at a reduced rate. We also have reduced rates for folks who are um, living in um, emerging countries, as, as it's labeled. Uh, and we also have a hardship uh, benefit that we can offer to members when you know, if you are not in a financial uh, situation where you can afford your membership in a given year, uh, please reach out to us because we don't want to lose you as a member. Um, your membership supports all of the activities that HFES does. It includes helping to uh, pay for our wonderful staff uh, who who work on HFES uh, matters uh throughout the days and weeks and behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see them until uh, you come to a, a meeting or, or you um, interact with the society, uh, need something specific from it. But um, it also, your membership supports our outreach efforts, uh, government relations. We have um, so much work that's going on in that area and your membership uh, helps to support that. Uh, so just want to, it's very much a two-way street membership. We provide services to our members and our members help uh, the society do um, the uh, outreach work that's really important part of, of HFES. I have some volunteer opportunities that I want to let people know about. Um, and um, membership, that's, again, one of the values of membership is to take on volunteer opportunities. And I want to tell you about a couple of them, the Internal Affairs Division Chair and Webinars Committee Chair. First, though, as usual, I'm going to orient you to the organization through our org chart. And yes, it's teeny tiny and can't necessarily read it very well. But what I mainly want to point out is um, these two opportunities that I'm highlighting here. One is in the green box. Uh, which is the international or internal affairs division, and the other is in the rose colored box, which is the education division. So I'm just kind of orienting you to where these positions are. So the internal affairs division chair is the chair of the internal affairs division, which is kind of the heart of our membership uh, uh, in terms of, uh, of our different divisions and how they're organized. So the Internal Affairs Division houses all of our chapter affairs, our local and student affairs. It houses our Council of Technical Groups, um, Membership Committee, Mentorship Committee, our Council of Affinity Groups, uh, and our Practitioners Committee. But mostly I want to tell you, what does a division chair actually do? And so all of our division chairs, 
They coordinate and manage the activities within their division. They meet regularly with their committee chairs. Committee chairs do so much. Oh, the committees do, you know, the, uh, much of our work. And so in order to support those committees and the committee chairs, that's that's a big role for our um, our uh, division chairs. They The division chairs serve as a liaison between the executive council and the committees. They, um, the uh, division chairs convey discussions and, and action items um, from the EC and the strategic direction to the committees that are within uh, a given division. They, the division chairs coordinate activities between and amongst their committees so that there's not duplication of effort, but where there are synergies and where committees should be working together, they help to coordinate that. They also help to connect committees across divisions as well. Um, so if you're a, a person who um, really believes in the activities and the um, this particular uh, uh, division and what this division uh, does, I, I urge you to um, get in touch with me and, and let me know about your interests. And, and I don't want to ignore the good work that Samid Arani has been doing. So um, Samid has been doing wonderful work in this area, and, and he's at a point where he's ready to um, hand this uh, important work off to someone else. But he's also going to be staying on to, to help ensure a smooth transition. So it's not like he's just going away and, and you know, you're going to be left to your own devices to sink or swim. Not like that at all. So um, again, if you have an interest in this, you're just curious, please get a hold of me. So now I'm going to tell you about the other opportunity that I'm advertising today. And it is the webinars committee chair. So the webinars committee is housed in our education division, which is chaired by Keith Jones. Uh, and the webinars committee solicits topics and presentations for webinars. It helps us to generate ideas and recruit um, presenters. It also works with TGs and other groups that want to host webinars and helps to coordinate the timing of that with our central office staff, helps them to think about what type of a webinar should this be? Is this more like a meeting or a webinar, kind of more formal presentation, or do you want more of a discussion? And, and helps to plan that out. So if this sounds like it's uh, an area that you are interested in or you have some experience with, please get a hold of me or Keith Jones, and uh, we're more than happy to talk with you uh, about this. Other volunteer opportunities. Hey, we have elections coming up like we do every year. Every year, we um, elect two at-large members of the executive council, a president-elect and a secretary-treasurer-elect. Um, all of these terms are for three years, essentially. Yeah, executive council members, it's a three-year term. President-elect, secretary-treasurer-elect. Basically, you're the elect, then you're it and then your immediate past president. So that's the three years of that. And a couple of years ago, um, Ellen uh, Bass had the great idea to create a video, um, kind of what is it about uh, when you are thinking about, uh, you know, running for um, one of these elected offices. And 
although the dates are, you know, that we mentioned some dates in there that wouldn't be right because it's from a couple of years ago. The content is is very informative. And so I have the link up there uh, for you. And of course, you know, you could always just contact us for this link because it's flying by too quickly and you didn't get it. We're happy to share it with you um, later, too. Lots of events coming up this year. These are our really big events. So we just had our Titan Symposium. Thank you so much to Kermit Davis for and his team for organizing this. Um, great highlights every year of um, people who are really uh, uh, have um, moved the move the needle, move the dial, move the science, uh, move the practice of human factors. That's who we highlight. Uh, in this uh, Titan Symposium every year. And now we have, you know, recordings of these folks that are then available, you know, into the future. If you didn't get to attend the Titan Symposium, you can find those recordings on the Learning Center. Uh, those are available uh, to be viewed uh, at a later date. They are currently doing the closed captioning on those. So I don't think these are available quite yet, but they will be soon. Then we have upcoming our International Human Factors and Ergonomics and Healthcare Symposium. That is in Orlando. Um, registration has been open for a while for that. And we are still um, obviously taking registrations. It's uh, still got another month. Uh, if you can't come to Florida, you can view uh, many sessions. They'll be live streamed. So, and the registration for that is open now. Then we have our international annual meeting coming up in October. Please come to Washington uh, and join us there. Uh, the first day of the meeting uh, is also going to be the date for ErgoX. Uh, and so you are able to find more information about that on our events page. And um, Barzan and Susan are going to be talking more about this. So I'm not going to be talking more about it right now. We have upcoming webinars. Thank you, uh, Sustainability Task Force. You guys are busy. Uh, you got uh, two webinars coming up, one in March and one in April. Uh, and we uh, publish those on the events list as they are added. So please check that out on a regular basis to find out what webinars we have coming up. Um, in terms of the annual meeting, again, I'm not going to talk much about it other than to say the 28th February, that date is coming up uh, to submit a proposal. And we encourage practitioners and academics to share what you are doing, what your, what your, what you, your practice, your knowledge with the world. So this is welcome presentations uh, from practitioners and, and academics. I cannot say that enough times. We want not just to hear from the academic folks, but the practitioners. The whole idea behind the annual meeting is we come together and we share um, our what we've been doing and we figure out how can we collaborate uh, in the future. So, and again, Farzan and Susie will be talking more about this in just a few minutes. Um, What's also do student chapters. Hey, if you want some money for this year, get in your proposal to um, our uh, the co-chair of the student affairs committee, Dr. Xiaomei Wang, uh, and um, keep doing good activities there. And if you need some funding for it, put in for it. March 17th, what's due? Nominations for HFBS fellows. Um, 
the fellow's designation recognizes outstanding achievement, uh, superior professional performance, exceptional contributions to both human factors, field and the society. And again, I want to emphasize that this is not just for academic. So here are the different areas in which uh, we recognize excellence, education, yes, but research and design, applications and practice, management and supervision, outreach and advocacy. And this is what I really want to emphasize. If you know someone that you believe is excellent in one or more of these areas, give them a shove. Give them a tap on the shoulder. Give them the benefit that you see that they would qualify for this and support and encourage them to apply uh, to this. We got more awards. HFES awards are annual awards. Um, the uh, nominations for those are accepted through the 14th of April. And again, I'm going to emphasize not just for academics. Most of these awards are available um, for uh, both practitioners and academics. We do have a couple of awards that are specifically for HFES members, but these aren't even necessarily just for HFES members. So mm -hmm. take a look at the webpage um, that describes our awards. Read the description of the awards and you'll see um, I'm sure that you'll identify one that is either is appropriate for you to be nominated for or someone that you know uh, and, uh, and respect. What's new? Well, we want to welcome our newest affinity group, which is the KHVS, the Korean American Affinity Group. Again, I urge all of our members to check out all of our affinity groups and um, consider joining one or more of them. You do not have to... Um, uh, be a member of the particular uh, uh, demographic. You just have to be interested and supportive. Uh, so they, 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 these affinity groups are so active and it's really um, uh, very enjoyable to participate in their meetings and um, learn more about their uh, great ideas and their experiences. So I, I really encourage you to check out our affinity groups. I also want to um, just highlight we have um, on the um, uh, various heritage months and recognition months, we are uh, we put up um, a, uh, our own uh, message uh, uh, related to those months. And I want to give a shout out to Barrett Caldwell, who um, wrote our, our message for Black History Month. Thank you so much, Barrett. I always learn so much from reading uh, these messages. And um, we'll have one coming up for Women's History Month here. We're working on that right now. Chris Reed, he gets around, man. This guy is in Cuba and all over the place taking the message of human factors and HFBS um, to the, uh, the much wider world. So thank you, Chris, for representing HFBS um, and, uh, in all different corners of the globe. We have a new method series book out, Risk Management, How to Assess and Control Risk Related to Human Error in Products and Systems. These little books are great for educators. Um, this is These are like the, the little sage books, if you're familiar with that um, series. They, they're, they, 
this one says how to, it really is a how to book. It gives examples. It's not just talking theory. It's, it really will inform you about how to use this. So great for um, educators to use in courses. I urge you to check out this one and others in the method series. And for folks who are submitting to Human Factors, you will be really glad to know that we are expanding the page count and the number of issues. So that will really support a more timely um, publication of our accepted papers. Um, so don't give up on Human Factors because you think there's a really long uh, publication lag time because we are working on that. Thank you to uh, Rob Radwin and uh, Pat DeLucia uh, for um, bringing, resolving this uh, issue, working to resolve this. Few more updates. Oh, I was exhausted here, but there's just so much going on and I want to tell you about all of it. We have new memorandum of understandings with the National Safety Council and the Society of Surgical Ergonomics. We form these um, uh, we make these associations as we see that they can be mutually beneficial to members of um, both of the organizations when we decide to, to make these. And um, so just and we have a page that that shows the groups that uh, that we've developed these with um, National Safety Council. I remember one of the items in there specifically, there's some kind of support money for students in there. So we are going to be definitely highlighting uh, that and making sure our students know about the opportunity related to that National Safety Council MOU. Service agreements. We have two new service agreements. These are uh, investments that the Executive Council has made. Uh, one with Rarefy, and you're going to be hearing about that in just a moment. Uh, regarding our digital communications review and redesign effort, and then with 360 Live Media to grow our annual meeting. And there are opportunities for our members to, to assist uh, with these um, because both of these organizations are talking to our members to learn more about what's important to them. In the works, we have um, our awards renaming task force that is still active and we have a new one on nominations and elections because we really want more people to consider uh, running for elected office and we want to figure out how to reduce uh, the barriers uh, to doing that and to encourage more people to participate um, in our in our in running our society um, our DEI committee is working on recognition awards. That's been in the works for a long time, and I think it's really going to hopefully happen this year that those are going to be um, uh, out and, and up. Uh, the US UX task force last year, um, Rebecca Greer and her um, uh, task force did a great job on developing a report with a number of recommendations that we are moving forward uh, with. Um, uh, uh, taking steps to uh, uh, enact a number of those recommendations. So now I'm going to take a breath here. Uh, we have two groups that are going to be talking with you today. Uh, one, Barb Shaparo and uh, Andrew Golosuski are going to be talking about our digital communication efforts. And then we're going to have, um, we're going to ask Farzan and Susan to talk about the annual meeting. 
I'm done, Nick. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Really appreciate the the presentation. Sounds like there's a lot going on with the society. So uh, I think I think we're going to check in with Farzan first. Is that right, oh. Farzan and and Susan? Is is are we going to check in with you guys first? Let's bring you on. All right. So. Uh, Let's let's go ahead and talk about it. So can you just give us a little sneak peek of what we can expect at or uh, of this year's an annual conference offerings? Of course. Excited. But this year's annual meeting, uh, attendees can accept uh, then in terms of attendance I've offered in recent years. First, a very inclusive uh, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, You're chopping in and out there, buddy. Uh, is uh, wondering if there's another uh, something else going on with your audio. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm not really able to see. It changed. Yeah, it's just choppy. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, Let's see here. Uh, maybe maybe what we can do here is uh, switch to um, talking about Digital Communications Committee first and then bring you on a little bit later if we can figure out those audio issues. Is that okay? Sorry to play you off like the Oscars, but uh, we'll, we'll do that right now and we'll, uh, we'll come back to you in just a little bit. All right. So for now, let's go ahead and we'll put you all backstage and let's bring out Barbara. And hello, Barbara. Let's so hello. let's shift. Let's shift gears. <laughs> Coming away from the annual uh, annual meeting, we'll we'll talk about that in just a minute. But let's talk about uh, the Digital Communications Committee. What is it? Okay. Well, thank you very much, Nick. Hope you can hear me. Okay. All right. So the Digital Communication Committee, or what we're calling the DCC, is a brand new committee within our education division whose goal is to oversee the HFES website and all of the directly associated subsites, as well as related digital communications. So, <clears throat> excuse me, this includes the um, main HFES.org site, but also things like the Learning Center, our digital community, technical group uh, sites, <clears throat> and student chapter sites. <clears throat> excuse me. In addition to our our events, of course, so the conference websites and the conference app that you use on site. So overall, the committee goal is to really help monitor and assess the usability of our site, the content, the architecture, and optimize the user experience for, for those that are seeking information about human factors, the society, and this is you know members and non-members of the general public. So, so did this this formed from a previous task force? What what was that previous task force, and what were those objectives? Yeah, so the the committee came about through initial task force that was started back in 2020, with Carolyn and Rebecca Greer and Monty Gamitro and and Keith Karn. This was the time when the site was migrated to a new platform, and it went through an initial redesign phase and rebranding. And so the goal of this task force was to evaluate the site and provide some recommendations for improvement. And and so how did the formation itself come about of the DCC, the, the Digital uh, the Communication DCC, Committee? Yeah, so the DCC is really a continuation of the task force work. 
So task force in general tend to be shorter term engagements. And so we realized that um, it would be best to have a standing committee that has the responsibility to oversee the website and associated microsites and to make sure it stays updated and meets the needs of our members and our non-members. So we're, we're always going to have a digital presence. So this committee will be ongoing as part of the education division to help oversee all of that, um, even as technolo technological advances occur and that we are able to work with the HFES staff digital team. The other benefit of becoming a, a formal committee is that we were able to establish some operating rules, which outline what the committee will be doing, how it interacts, and provide some accountability back to the education division and the executive council. Yeah, I know the website is a big point of contention for a lot of HFES members. They comment about it. We're human factors, but the website is... Well, you all can develop your own opinions on the website, but <laughs> I, I do have a couple of questions before we get to that. What is sort of the, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it, alluded to it. What is the overall role uh, of the Digital Communication Committee within HFES? And do you have any primary objectives that you can talk about that the, the group is working towards? Yeah. So, I mean, we're within the education division, but we overlap with many of the other groups in the society. Um, everybody has some aspect of the web presence or the online community. So that includes outreach for sure, membership, and certainly the, the conference event committees. Um, the website is one place that you know both members and non-members can visit, and, and it's for many different reasons. So the goal of this committee is to really make sure that the information we're providing and we're presenting is helpful and meets everybody's needs. Okay, so that's that's a pretty big promise. How are we hoping to accomplish some of those objectives? Yeah, so as you can imagine, this this is not a small task. Um, there are a lot of, of moving pieces here. And so the task force realized about a year ago that it would be most beneficial to have a dedicated resource to evaluate our site and all the associated systems. So um, we worked with the HFES digital team last spring on an RFP for a UX consultant to do a deep dive assessing the capabilities of HFES website platform, all the third-party tools that are being used, as well as to talk to our members about their website experiences. So, you know, HFES supports many different systems. It's not just HFES.org, but the learning management system, um, membership system, journals, online communities, all of the above. So the RFP was to find a dedicated resource that could examine all of these from a user perspective. So late last fall, we were uh, very excited to get approval to hire Andrew uh, from the consulting firm Rarify. So I think he could walk through what his process is, is going to be. It's, it's underway right now. We're in the beginning stages of this. Um, but I think it's it's very exciting what we're going to come out with. Yeah, I was about to say. So so we hired somebody for to to look at all of HFES's UX across the board, and you're telling me that they're here too. What? How amazing is that? Hey, Andrew, <laughs> could you hey could you tell us a little bit about this multi phase consulting agreement uh, or engagement that um that were that's been planned? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so I can. Start 
with the broad scope of, of the engagement, which is basically to formulate a, a digital strategy uh, along with specific UX recommendations uh, that are going to serve members, serve the organization, and uh, and be sustainable moving forward and maintainable moving forward uh, by the people who are who are responsible for working on these websites. Um, and Barb was talking through some of the challenges there. So there is a um, there's a heavy reliance on volunteer support and expertise to help uh, you know bring new content onto the website. Um, but most importantly, HFES Online has so many different components. Um, it may seem like one website, and really it should seem like one website, uh, but it's actually a collection of a lot of different platforms and tools that, that Barb and, and Carolyn also mentioned. Um, and furthermore, certain things like the message board and the learning center are necessarily powered by other technology. Um, and these things are customizable to varying degrees. So, so you can imagine some challenges around delivering a consistent experience and sort of fine tuning all of these experiences um, to, to make them really ideal and, and really uh, user centered as opposed to technology centered. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, as a, as a member, I love this. This is amazing. And this is probably some of the best news that I've heard in a very long time. So this is, like I said, this is a big ask. Can you walk me through some of the key stages that is involved in this engagement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so even leading up to this, um, since the new website launched about three years ago, there has been a lot of work done to assess its usability and suggest improvements. So we're not starting from scratch. Yeah, I have a really fantastic starting point to work from, uh, but so much happens day to day from the standpoint of content updates and website maintenance that it can be hard to take a step back and understand the big picture of how well all these tools are, are really working. Um, so, you know, my, my main goal is really to identify um, the highest value improvements that we can make for for members and and for the organization. So how do we do that? Right, it's a big it's a big ask. Um, so the first phase of the engagement is uh, is a discovery phase, which is just wrapping up, um, and that has been about understanding the work that has been done to date and uh, and the current state of things. And there are a lot of inputs to this. Um, so one is examining the different platforms themselves. Um, and that includes the end user experiences, as well as underlying metrics like analytics and usage data, how many people are using these things, what are they trying to do, um, and sort of understand the the numbers behind how these experiences are currently performing. Uh, I've also, as part of my discovery phase, gotten to conduct many interviews with the people who are responsible for working on these websites uh, to understand how things are going from a process standpoint. Uh, and of course, it's a lot of reviewing member feedback and previous issues that have been identified uh, and, and really getting the, the lay of the land that way. Um, so I'm coming out of this discovery phase with a great understanding of, first of all, HFES members, which is a very wide range of people who have very different needs and jobs. Um, and it's uh, it's been you know really enjoyable kind of wrapping my head around that. Uh, and I'm also coming out of discovery with a lot of questions that I hope to ask in my next phase, which is a user research phase. Um, and I can give a, a quick plug about that. Um, 
as we are getting into it, so in the coming weeks, I'll be conducting in-depth interviews with current and former members, um, and a survey is going to follow from that as well, uh, which is going to focus on the member experience and the value of all of these digital platforms. Um, so if anybody who's listening, anybody who, who watches the recording, if you get an invitation to participate in an interview or fill out a survey, uh, please con consider doing so. Uh, it's really important for us to capture a broad range of perspectives. Um, you know, that's demographics, that's professional disciplines, uh, academics and practitioners. It's early, mid, late career. It's um, whether you go to meetings or don't go to meetings. Uh, whether you engage online or don't engage online, you know your perspective is really important um, and and is going to be influential to to how these digital properties develop in the future. So uh, so we really want to know what you think. That's awesome. I I will happily promote that <laughs> that link. Let's get some feedback. Let's make this site this the suite of sites for HFES the best they can be. Uh, I I guess the 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 last question I have for you, Andrew, is. HFES, this is an organization that preaches usability, user-centered design, uh, putting the user in in the middle of everything. What sort of benefits can this have for the society as a whole? <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, w w where to begin? You know, it, it's uh, from one standpoint, it is important for every organization to prioritize user experience, right? Um, you know, everyone needs to understand their their users, their customers, um, their needs, their expectations, and then ultimately, what is the right content? What are the right features? Um, you know, that need to be presented in a in a digital property. Um, but of course, with HFES, there is this element of we need to practice what we preach, right? Um, and th this sends the best possible me message uh, both to current members and to prospective members about the quality and the expertise that you can expect from HFES and from being a part of it. Uh, the the homepage, uh, is, you know, right now, if you go to hfes.org, it says systems that work for humans and our digital presence, HFES digital presence is a system that should be working for humans, right? <laughs> and so we're, uh, we're, we're using this engagement to look at the whole system not just the website, but the people and the processes uh, behind the websites, because um, we really want to deliver on this notion of of user-centered design that informs so much of the other things that HFES members do professionally. Great. So so that's an awesome effort. Barb, I'm going to go back to you. Uh, basically, how is the DCC, the Digital Communication Committee, going to work with these recommendations and... Uh, you know, kind of, what what are you going to do with them? Yeah, so Andrew's not going away right after the recommendation. So there is a phase where we will be working with him, and we're maintaining, we're in the loop as we you know, we speak on his different phases and uh, learning from each other. So, you know, at the point where we have recommendations, the goal of the DCC is to help with um, implementation right and prioritization and understanding you know what we need to do first second third so we're really eager to see some of the results that andrew comes up with and we'll continue to work with him to make a better site yeah i i can add to that a little bit um yeah so so th that that's a great point barb and something that we discussed 
extensively in the uh, in the proposal stage as we were crafting this approach is, you know, I, I'm going to uh, develop this list of UX recommendations. It's not valuable to drop that list in people's laps and say good luck. Um, you know, that's uh, the, no no engagement uh, consulting engagement should end there. Um, so I, I'm also budgeting time to prioritize first of all these suggested improvements. Um, you know, with the help of the team. And this prioritization will be based on both the value that these recommendations will bring to the members and the organization, uh, but also based on how heavy a lift they will be to implement, right? So it's easy to say, I want this website to be different in this way. Um, but, you know, we don't always have visibility into the development resources that are necessary in order to really make things happen. And we, we need to be deliberate about the order in which we tackle things. Um, and then even beyond that, um, I'm going to be staying on on a temporary basis to help monitor the implementation of these highest priority recommendations and make sure that the output is true to what we've, what we've been talking about this whole time and, and what came out of the, the initial research phases. Um, so yeah, de definitely looking forward to sticking around and, and seeing it through, uh, and, and, uh, as, as an HFBS member myself, uh, I, I do UX consulting. I also do human factors consulting and, and, uh, have loved being a part of HFBS. And so selfishly, I, I want to, uh, see a better website and a better organization, uh, for all of us. All right. As do we all. So thank you, Barb and Andrew. I'm going to put you all backstage and we're going to try to talk to Farzan and Susan again. Uh, about the annual meeting updates. Let's see. Farzan, can you hear us? Are you coming in loud and clear? John, is it better now? Oh, so much better. So much better. Night there and day. Go. All right. Thank you. Oof. All right. Um, well, well, welcome back to the stage. The question the question that I had asked you before the audio issues uh, were, were, uh, were there, basically, can you give us a sneak peek of this year's annual conference offerings? I am so excited this year. I think we're going to have one of our largest events to date uh, in terms of attendance uh, in, in recent years, at least. You can expect a very diverse, inclusive technical program. I think it's going to be a lot of energy and fun. Um, we're going to kick it off with the Student uh, Career and Professional Development Day, which is a super popular event among our students. It's a full day of program tailored just for our student members. Uh, this year, we try to offer the uh, range of technical workshops, and we try to reduce the overlap between the student career day and the workshops because it happened the same day, first day of the conference, so our students can take advantage of both. Last year, um, we tried a new format for the opening reception. We included this new award ceremony, thanks to Chris Reed um, and his leadership on this. The feedback was overwhelmingly positive. People had a lot of fun. I think we had a really energetic start to the conference. So we're going to go ahead and repeat it. And this time, in, you know, with some improvements, of course. Uh, then we're going to have our four days of typical technical program combined with social. Plenty of networking opportunities, social activities that we're planning. Almost one large reception per day, except for Friday, which is a half day. And hey, we're going to be in Washington, D.C., a great location, many attractions. I think we're going to have a very large meeting with hopefully many family members attending, too. Uh, we're going to be at Hilton, at the Hilton, uh, which was recently renovated. A location is very convenient, uh, especially at the Reagan Airport. 
It's very close to a subway station with access to some great attractions, as you know, Smithsonian Museums, um, Arlington, Georgetown, uh, National Zoo. White House is walking distance from the hotel. I really encourage attendees to stay at the conference hotel for their convenience, but also to help us keep the conference fee lower. Um, I want to be really honest here, relative to other conferences I'm going to, I think HFP is still the value out there. Our registration fees among the lowest, especially for students, and societies have been absorbing enormous costs to keep it affordable and low. So one way you can support us is to be at the hotel, so at least we use the block, be allocated to conference. Um, another very amazing uh, thing that's going to happen this year is because we're in D.C., we're going to be in close proximity to all the main government agencies uh, with interest in human factors or economics, including, you know, uh, high, hopefully high attendance from government entity, which makes up for great opportunities for networking and hopefully uh, invited talks and panels by these folks from NSF, NIH, especially these funding agencies, uh, we're going to be really interested in connecting with. Do you want That's to know awesome. about some of the changes? Yes, making? that was, wow, that was my next question. How uh, It's almost like we're reading from the same document here. Yeah, can Perfect. you tell us about some of the changes? <laughs> Awesome. All right. We have some uh, really great initiatives and improvements this year. I'm going to just name a few maybe. Um, one of these initiatives is to make the event a little bit more appealing to our HFP practitioners. This year, we made some changes to our submission system uh, to tack practitioner-oriented papers a little bit better, and we're working with our technical groups to make sure uh, submissions from practitioners receive fair reviews by our peer review panels. Uh, that now includes some practitioners, and their value is fairly based on substance of the contribution and level of interest of our audiences for the talk, uh, their impact and novelty, rather than just you know size of the paper or you know if they had statistical analysis or not. I hope that makes sense. This year, uh, we're also asking presenters to include a little bit of practical implications of their work as part of their presentation. So make it, you know, a little bit more meaningful for our uh, uh, practitioner attendees. Another very important ongoing activity is that we're improving the offering for our members from the UX community. UX practitioners and researchers has been always a very important part of our membership. Uh, we'd like to make this event a little bit more attractive for them. Uh, we've traditionally celebrated this community with a user experience day. Which, which was a collection of talks tailored to usability and UX audience. But this year, uh, we're trying to work with various UX groups to add a little bit more flavor and variety to this special day. Uh, members from the UX community, stand by. I think you're going to be surprised. You can expect the, an exciting day of technical talks combined with invited panels, interactive sessions, demos, and social uh, events oriented towards UX community. We're and the formative stages of planning it. So please reach out to me or Susan or uh, anybody on this call so we can hear from you and uh, use your feedback to improve this experience. Selfishly, so, I love that. Um, <laughs> that's really it. And I hope we have uh, Human Factors casting in. Oh, we we'll be a there. Lot of energy last year. We'll, we'll be there. And in fact, I'm I'm gonna I would have saved this for the Q and A, but my co-host Barry Kirby here in the in the in the, in the comments here asking um, the million dollar question: Is it worth coming from the UK for? And and really, any anywhere in the world, is it worth coming from anywhere in the world for? Absolutely. We're in 
we really an international society. You're going to see a lot of submissions internationally and a lot of uh, networking opportunities for international collaboration purposes. And this is a large family. This is an international family. It's not just a North American based, in my opinion. Uh, always appreciated meeting my international peeps. Uh, and that's, that's the exciting part. That's really the only time in the year I get to see them. So I would it, love to it, see more international it, folks coming. Maybe if Barry comes, Farzan will dance at the opening reception. I will do that. <laughs> oh, all right, Barry. There's, there's your incentive. Now, now we have to get you to come. <laughs> and if 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 we are there in a, in a in the same or similar or bigger capacity for Human Factors Cast, we'd love to uh, have you there in person too, Barry. So I have to ask you one more question here, Farzan. Sure. You've mentioned that there's a lot going on. How can folks get involved if they want to volunteer or give you feedback or anything like that? Sure. Uh, Carolyn talked about our volunteering opportunities. We have a defined pathway for volunteering for the entire society. But if you're interested in, in uh, helping us with the annual meeting, you can come to me, contact me directly, or contact Susan or email education at hfds.edu, which would get then, you know, you know, get transferred to me. Uh, I would love to talk to you and get you involved. We love the energy from our members. The, the never, you know, ignore ideas or feedback. In fact, I want to give a shout out to some of the committees here at HFES, including the Diversity and Inclusion Community, uh, Committee and our affinity groups who are doing an amazing job. Our Council of Affinity Groups, uh, COAG, is feeding us with a lot of good recommendations and we're taking it seriously. We're working uh, on implementing a lot of these recommendations now to make sure all of our interest groups are well represented this year in our program. For example, made some changes to our submission form to better capture any sort of DI-related submissions and planning. we're planning on changing even the review process and allocation process for non-technical submissions for a, a, you know, a fair treatment of these non-technical submissions. It's going to be a great year, a week-long program, more than 600 presentations. Uh, I've heard from some of you, and these are you know, this is not you know a lot of people, but I just wanted to say uh, I hear you out, people who feel a little bit overwhelmed with the program. It's a very diverse, very large program. We understand that. Uh, but trust me in saying that, we're trying really hard to address this by identifying some redundancies, um, holding more joint TG type of sessions. And we're also working on the app and our printed program to make sure attendees can better navigate this large program. That's amazing. So that's that's 2023. Now, now Susan, I have to ask you, are we already looking forward to 2024? Do you have anything that you can tell us? We absolutely are as crazy as that sounds. Um, uh, yeah, so just a really quick sneak peek. Um, we are working on a little bit of, or a lot of reimagining the 2024 meeting. So even more exciting things to come in 2024. Uh, we'll probably have a whole other discussion on that <laughs> in a while. But um, yeah, we've engaged a group that's working on currently reaching out to members. We're listening to you. We're hearing. We're working towards making that, uh, you know, meeting experience even bigger, even better. Um, keeping all the science, we know that's super, super important, um, but just making it um, more fun, more engaging. So yes, keep your eyes out for 2024 as well. 
Awesome. I'm excited for both 2023 and 2024. With that, let's bring everybody back on the stage here. We'll bring everybody back out. And it uh, looks like we had some pretty good questions in chat. If you are watching, um, you know, I know this was originally set for an hour long presentation, but there's just so much information. So <clears throat> sorry, we made it an entire hour. Our, our panelists have agreed to stay for a little bit longer to answer some of the questions that came through in chat. If you have any more, throw them in there. But I do want to uh, ask a couple here. The first one from, uh, we're going to go back to Barry here. <laughs> Barry says, how are you thinking about growing collaborations internationally with the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors, for example? That seems like a really selfish one, but anyone could talk to this one? <laughs> So um, we uh, were in uh, Delft uh, in the Netherlands uh, at the end of October, beginning of November for the IEA um, meeting and had the opportunity to meet face to face with um, uh, representatives from a number of organizations, including CIEHF. Um, and, and I think there are some really good opportunities there. It's, it's, um, you know, matter of, of setting up time to identify what those what those opportunities would be that would be most beneficial to our members. You know, we uh, as I mentioned, we've got MOUs with organizations in the U.S. Um, and and you know, when we were talking with the folks uh, in the IEA meeting, certainly the uh, the folks who are at the Canadian Ergonomics Association and CIEHF. Those are both really uh, present, you know, other great opportunities for us. So I'm kind of dancing around it just because um, I, we don't have anything specific in in mind. But um, but we did talk there about that there. You know, we provide a lot of um, opportunities. Um, they're almost uh, sort of too too many to, to think about in terms of any specific ones. But yes, um, I think we'll be working on those, um, reaching out to both those organizations, CIHF and the Canadian Association um, this year. Great. Hopefully that, that satisfies your question there, Barry. We got another one here. This one's by David, and, and he writes, um, I'm in career transition and hoping to get into the field of human factors or UX research. Recently completed a PhD where I conducted educational research on engineering students. I also have a background in aerospace, mechanical engineering. <clears throat> I was wondering how I can get involved with human factors and what resources you would recommend for someone with their background. So, uh, you know, coming from a, um, a transitionary uh, field. Does anyone have advice for, for David here? I, I guess the one thing I would say is there's a lot of people like this, like this young person in, in HFES. I mean, I think we all came from, almost all of us came from someplace else, right? So my undergrad degree is mechanical engineering. Uh, and then I found human factors. And, you know, I, I certainly use my mechanical engineering background. It served me really well um, in uh, as a as a foundation for human factors. And and so I, I think that, you know, his background is great um, for this. So whether you want to be on, you know, more of a physical product, physical person interaction or more on the cognitive side of things or or both. Um, I think his background is great. We are just in a meeting today talking about the FAA. Um, so somebody with an aerospace uh, 
interest in aerospace. Certainly, there's a lot of folks who have interest in in different um, elements of aerospace, be it you know plane design or on more on the cognitive side of things in terms of say air traffic control issues. Um, I would say look at the technical groups, um, but also if you are a member of HFES, you can go into the directory and find people who work where you think you would like to work. Um, and I think you can introduce yourself to people that way. Hey, I found you through the directory. You work at NASA. I would really love to find out more about what you do at NASA. And and I think people are receptive to that, to those kind of informational interview requests. Um, yeah, so that's a real benefit of being a member is that directory. And and to add to that, David, um, we have a we have an education and training EG. So, given your background, doing your PhD work, you might find it interesting to plug into that groove and kind of find overlap between what you've done and human factors. That might open up opportunities. It's a very active group. All right. Any anybody else have anything they'd like to add to David's comment before we move on here? All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's going to be it. I know we're over time by a little bit here. Um, and uh, with that, you know, I think we'll go ahead and close out this presidential town hall. Uh, we, we sincerely hope you all enjoyed this town hall discussion. If you like this, uh, come and join us at the annual meeting or the next time that we do one of these town halls. Uh, you know, as a reminder, there is a link to a survey here. So if you if you can, we'll go ahead and throw up the QR code there so you all have access to it. Uh, you know, go fill that out. Um, let us know how we did today, what you might want to hear from uh, in the future. Uh, thank, I want to thank all of our distinguished panelists for, and everyone else on the HFES side of the house for making this happen. You can always find the latest from HFES at HFES.org. We encourage you all to go join the HFES LinkedIn group. Uh, get connected with others or take a look at some of those HFES bulletins that are coming through your emails. Keep up with some of the society news. As for me, I've been your moderator, Nick Rome. You can find me on Human Factors Cast, our weekly podcast. We talk about the latest news from around the Human Factors world. Thank you all for uh, for joining us. And uh, hey, you know, all of our panelists on the town hall, you know how I like to usually end my show is uh, we say it depends at the end because... Um, you know, in human factors, it always depends on a lot of factors. So if I could just have us all do it depends on the count of three, that'd be great. Let's do it. One, two, three. It, it, it depends. depends. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody, for a wonderful town hall. We'll see you next time. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in human factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends.
spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.